Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Weekly Exchange. This week in Forex and Strategy Game News, we have updates on Thea 2, Galsiv 3, Imperator Rome, and much, much more. Nate and Troy. Hey, Troy. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nate. It's good to be here. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing okay. My youngest was out from school today. She had a fever, woke up in the middle of the night with a fever and was running a fever on and off throughout the day. So I got to stay home. I mean, work from home. <laughs> stay home. I don't even know. It was a very strange day. I was I was having to work, but at the same time, I had a cranky little girl on my hands who needed hugs and needed somebody to, you know, lean up against and complain to the whole day while I'm trying to work. So it was a little interesting. But, you know, it's, it's done. It's Friday, by the way, in case the listeners are curious. This is, uh, we're recording late Friday night because this weekend is going to be very busy. So we needed to get it out of the way. How about you? Uh, my whole family was getting over colds and sinus infections and everything else, so I may be a little bit hoarse. Shouldn't be as bad as last week, though. And ah, uh, good times, good times. Yeah, it's the man. I'm telling you, this the the wackiness of the weather. Like oh, in yeah. within the span of 48 hours, I had temperatures in the 70s and well, snow. But that was in the beginning of the week, right? No, that was uh, yesterday and today. You had snow today or temperature in the 70s today? We had uh, 70s yesterday and snow today. Wow. Uh, are you sure you don't live in New England? That sounds like no. New England weather. <laughs> it's, it is wacky weather here, bro. Whoa. No, we had um, we had lots of rain, but... Yeah, no yeah, snow. a lot of rain uh, as we transitioned from 70s to snow. We got something like three inches of rain. Wow. Yeah, we're going to get some weather next week and next weekend. So we shall see what that presents. But anyways, I know what, you know, let's move on to our show. Yeah, something people care about. Right. <laughs> Nobody tunes in to be like, oh, okay, what kind of weather are Nate and Troy having? This <laughs> that, I mean, if the listeners do, let us know. We can, I guess, go on about that. Make that a segment. What? How was your weather this week? You know. Yeah, the <laughs> weather know. report. In the weekly exchange news podcast, the exploraminate weather report. <laughs> oh man, maybe on slow weeks, but anyways, all right. So, this week we had the final it's not civilization, we had the final leader revealed for civilization six gathering storm. So, last week we had the final civilization revealed. This, so as of the day that you hear this, the I believe it is the following day that. Uh, Gathering Storm will be out on Thursday the 14th. So you'll hear this on Wednesday the 13th. And as of this point, we found out that the last leader is going to be Eleanor of Aquitaine. And she is an interesting leader because I think this is the first time in any Civ game where a leader could lead two different nations. So she could lead France or England. And that's that's very interesting. So she started in France from 1137 AD to 1152 AD, and then she was in England from 1154 AD to 1189 AD. That is very unheard of. So she's um, she's a cultural leader, and unlike the native leaders of England and France in Civ VI, she doesn't really bring anything that makes one or the other stand out 
other than culture. She's very powerful culturally. She can do all kinds of interesting culture bombs. And um, one of the specific things, she, her specific ability is called Court of Love. And basically, great works in, the city, in her cities cause loss of loyalty per turn to nearby foreign cities. So if you are playing a cultural game and you're trying to flip your neighbor cities without going to war constantly, she might be a leader you want to consider. And she, they have um, linked in the show notes. We're going to have a video from their stream this week where they show like different effects that she has on neighbors. And it's, it's really, really neat. The one thing that's kind of interesting. So of, of all the female leaders, I think she might be the weakest because a lot of them have various abilities that really give them like they stand out. So It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how the community receives this new leader. Is anybody actually going to be playing with her outside of just trying to get achievements, you know? And, and like, the culture game, that's not something that usually you end up doing in, like, multiplayer games because it takes a long time to build up your culture. So we shall kind of have to see how people do with that, you know? Yeah, I got you. I think it's really neat how she could lead either faction, like that's mm-hmm. a really cool, and they kind of get to cheat a little bit, right? Like, is we're giving two factions a new leader instead of just one without having to add any extra art or code or anything. Well, like they, that. no, no, there is art because they change her appearance. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's neat. So here's the thing: she is um, in the Civ game. I think she is probably one of the most attractive leaders. Like, like really, like that. That was actually her thing. Is that she was very pretty, and you had monarchs from across the world at that time all bidding for her because she came from a very, very wealthy family, and they were trying to pull her into their family so they can get access to her holdings. That's how she was a leader in France and later on in England through marriage. But the thing with her is like when she's in France, she's got like her hair down. She's, you know, she's got that. But when she's in England, her hair's rolled up and it's done differently and her cuffs are different. And I don't know if the animations are different, like her reactions, because unfortunately we did not get a preview key from Foraxis, so we cannot test this. But that's a whole other story and that's nothing new. And I think that's been like that since pretty much day one with Exploraminate that our relationship with Foraxis is very strange. So, you know, all that aside, it'll be very interesting to see how they do it. They could have done more stuff, like you said, you know, change outfits and things like that. But they didn't because that takes a lot of money to animate that. So, but they did something. So it'll be interesting. I'm curious to get the feedback from the community once they get their hands on it, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, we got a couple updates from Thea 2 this week. One large, one small. The first one uh, is adding whole new mechanics to the game but i'll i'll save that for the end they added a lot of um oh quality of life stuff this time around so for instance you can right click on an item uh to get additional information on uh its properties or a character and the character's skills or a skill and what the skill does um and now a character's loyalty is shown during events especially if an action changes it which is really good They've added in some more artwork, uh, specifically for human child portraits. Um, they've done a lot of bug fixing and this sort of thing. Oh, uh, speaking of portraits, I forgot. Uh, also for orcs, they split the worker into a gatherer orc and a crafter orc, so that's very cool. Um, you know, some rebalancing of the different um, pieces of equipment that you can create, like one, two-handed scrolls, this sort of thing. And then the big thing that they added in the first update is uh research tasks and this is this is something totally new totally different it used to be in thea one and in thea two up to this point the only real way to get research points were to uh, make things or to do quests and events like you get research that way well now there are going to be ancient artifacts that will appear on the board as you're going around and what you can do is you can camp next to one and you can have your characters gather it just like you would with you know granite or diamonds or amber or anything like that so now they can gather it and that gets you research and then 
once you gather it up, you you will get a resource in that tile. And on your home island, it'll be a tier 2 resource. And on the more exotic islands, it'll be a tier 3 resource. So that's really cool. Um, this, is, this is going to really, man, I think add a whole new dynamic to the game where continuing to res to not research to explore and remove that fog of war so that way you can see where everything is because you never know when where one of these might pop up and so that's really going to keep you ex exploring in the game and it's going to make visiting all the different islands absolutely worth it so uh it, it's in the early stages right now like, uh, they're just starting to implement it. So not every creature type or every biome is going to be covered with this. So that'll be added in as we go along. But that is a big change for the game. And one, I think it's really important to help move from the early game to the later game. Because the early game can kind of be long, perhaps. Especially if you get off on a bad start. So that's pretty cool. I wonder... If they'll add a slider for that where you can increase the number of ancient artifacts that will appear or decrease it and that will affect the level of difficulty. It'll be interesting to see if they do that. I'm and sure then, they will. I mean, they usually have in the in Thea 1, they had so many different little tweaks you could make to the difficulty. Like so many adjustments that it's. I, I assume it's just a matter of time. They're tuning the game. They're putting in the last touches, like the last missing components, the people like, oh, we wish we had this, we wish we had that. So once that's all done, I, I'm pretty sure they'll go in and start doing the fine-tuning for the difficulty setting and, like, you know, what's available, what isn't, when, how much. So, Yeah, that's one of the best parts of the game is just how customizable it is. And in the second update, we get kind of a hot fix for that where they've added a research artifact tutorial starting on turn 6. So that'll be really important as you pl as you play through that. Um, they also fixed a few other bugs, um, <laughs> especially one where the uh, game would have trouble starting uh, if the game's path would contain special characters. So that that could be a real problem. And um, let's see, it looks like they fixed a problem where a human child could not become a warrior if the child could not have if the child didn't have enough strength. That's interesting. But anyway. All that's been fixed, and like this, all new stuff is being added. Oh yeah, I forgot. They also re uh, rebalance ships a lot. Uh, how much they cost to make, how much they can carry, this sort of thing. Um, I think they made it a little bit easier to produce them, uh, that sort of thing. Also, they reduced the cost for an idol. You know, you got to have your idol to, for instance, build a city, and so they reduced the cost on that. So big changes because. I don't know, maybe people are reticent to work on ships, but I th I'm, that's pretty important for play. So I don't know. Maybe they just felt like it was too difficult and they reduced the cost on it, which is fine with me. I think that's great. So uh, all good choices on their part so mm -hmm. far. And I'm looking forward to see what comes next. Well, the things with the ships were necessary because you had your ship with the carry capacity that was, you know, 3,000 or whatever, 3,800. But your party itself came in at a weight of 6,500. So once you dropped your ship in the water, it was already double the capacity. And then if you went to the island and mined resources or got stuff and coming back, then it was like three times the capacity. And then the, there was a very, very small threshold between, I don't know whether it was between three to four or four to five times the capacity where the, all of a sudden the ship movement was reduced to zero. And like you couldn't do anything. You couldn't disembark. You couldn't move. Nothing. But that fixed it. They changed like the how the weights work. So like the higher tiered materials being used to make the ships, boats, whatever, you know. Um, it makes more sense. So there's that. And also, um, you know how you said they're tweaking scrolls and like I'm reading some of the comments and I don't know. I, I'm I'm okay with the changes they're making. I'm not 100% sure yet. I'm still waiting to see if I miss something. Maybe I don't have anything high enough to be able to tell, but I'm so far okay with some of the change. Well, some most of the changes I've seen. But here's one thing that I don't know if people know. Did you know that you can craft tier four and tier five materials or tier three and tier four? I, I'm not even sure 
I think it starts at tier three and goes through tier four and five. But did you know you, you can craft them? I remember them saying that they were going to have that in the game, but I didn't know that was in yet. Oh, yeah, it's in because if you explore the whole map, a lot of those really high tier materials you cannot find anywhere. And I was always wondering, like, how do you get access to them? And in a thread I was reading on in the Theosteem forum, somebody had mentioned that, yeah, in the same place where you uh, where you do your cooking, if you click on it and you'll see resources, that's where you craft it. But you have to research that material first. So I did that in my recent game. And I'm like, wow, okay, now it makes sense. So now it's like you ha it makes more sense what you do if you send out a larger party. Because before, anything over seven members... And it was random as to who participates in what events. And, you know, it was always a, like a crapshoot. But right now, it's not like that anymore because it, it tends to pick the best members for the various challenges. So you can have a party of 10 or 11 that's a mixed party or 12, and it'll pick the best seven for that particular challenge. It's not always 100%. I don't always agree with some of the things, but for the most part, it's significantly better than what it was before. So I'm okay with it. Okay, well, all right. Well, moving on from that. Uh, this past week, uh, Triumph Studios showed off. They did a first look for the Amazons. And that's, I believe, the fourth faction that they revealed for Age of Wonders Planetfall. And they explain how these, how the Amazons, what their specific deal is, what their strengths are. So the Amazons, this was, this was like an expeditionary force that was mostly comprised of women for the Star Union. And when there was the collapse of the Star Union... Um, they were basically stuck and they, out of necessity, had to manipulate, you know, their genes and things like that because you still have to reproduce. So they started doing all kinds of manipulations. And as part of that, they became very um, adept at genetics. And of course, that leads to um, like almost like domesticating alien life and adjusting it for your own needs. So... I don't know if it, it was intentional like that. I mean, when any, whenever you say Amazon or Amazonia and you're speaking to fantasy, you're always thinking like, you know, like the, the whole Wonder Woman tribe, the tribe where Wonder Woman is from. So, you know, comes from Greek myth or you have the Valkyries from Norse myth. Or, you know, you have the warrior women or like, what's another one? Um, oh, what was it called? Uh, not, it was, it was uh, like, like not Hercules, but uh, what was what was her name? Do, do you remember Medusa? There was a the Gorgon? No, no, there was no, 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 no. There was um, the TV series. Oh, Zena. Lucy Law. Lucy Zena. There you go. So she's supposed <laughs> to be kind of like that. So it's like a futuristic version of that kind of you know of of that kind of a civilization. And their thing is they're very very focused on. Um, being ecologically friendly. So they kind of took all those, you know, stereotypes that a lot of people tend to kind of thinking and game playing. They put it together and then they ran with it. And for somebody that's kind of, you know, on the fringe and they're looking in, they're like, I don't know, man. I don't know who they're selling it to. But if you look, it's a really, really cool faction. And it has a lot of interesting things that it does. And like, like the video, this uh, first look video is really, really funny because the the uh, the narrator for the video is talking about how they are uh, basically genetically manipulating these alien species to their needs, and they have this big like tyrannosaurus-looking creature. And of course, you know, with a big creature like that, what do you do with it? You put lasers on its head, <laughs> and they kind of you know they're, they're running with that. And it was really, really how they how during the video and like it's it's like it's cool it's cool it definitely prior to this i was really excited for the game and having seen this like it knocked me to the next level not because i just can't wait to play the amazonians but because each faction is so different from every other one there's such unique elements that are being brought to the to the game not just in combat but in their technologies in their development of their cities now planetfall is is doing something very interesting so we've spoken about this before but i want to mention it again each time a new 4x comes out usually the developers will play other games like other competing games out there and just to see what's out there and see what works and what doesn't. And what Planifold did is they, it feels like they're iterating on the, 
on the system that they had in Endless Legend for controlling of regions, where in Age of Wonders 3, you didn't really control a region. You controlled your city space and you can grow with some, but that's it. Kind of like in Civ games. Where in Civ 6, they changed it to where it's more like organic growth and the pop is different and the way the border expands. But at the end of the day, it's still essentially the maximum, I think, circumference, well, not circumference, but the ma maximum diameter of a city space is like five by five from the five hexes in every direction from the center. So six by six, five hexes in six different directions. And Planetfall is also set on a hex system, but now they're using these, they're using the regions like they have an endless legend. And it's, it's good. I like that. That's going to keep other um, competitors from forward settling on you. It's going to keep, you know, that pressure, that artificial pressure that's used to drive the game and civilization is no longer there. It's different. And the way the regions are controlled and it looks like the techs are, are the tech trees are going to be different. So I'm just like, yeah, yeah, keep it up. Keep it up. I, I want to see what else. And we've only seen four factions. I want to see what the other ones are, too. So. My hype level for this game is ridiculous right now, you know? I think everyone's is. Uh, this is easily the most anticipated 4X game, at least announced so far for this year. Right, right. Without a doubt. Well, terrestrial. So we're still at... I think the most anticipated 4X game for this year, at least for the hardcore community, is Distant Worlds 2. Because every time somebody... Yeah, if it comes out this year... Like, well, how many times year, have we had that on our show this year so far? Uh, zero? Zero. Yeah, well, so. you know. Regardless, if you ask somebody what's their most anticipated game, a lot of people will say this in Worlds 2. Well. So I think for Terrestrial, Planetfall, for certain, is it's up in the top three for most people. And if uh, Tri Triumph Studios, if they keep doing this and they, they keep making these videos and, you know, just... Oh, man, I, uh, uh, I don't even want to say anything else. It's awesome. I'm very hyped. Very, very hyped. All right. Well, let's move on to Galsiv 3 then real quick. And we got a couple small little things this week. Uh, basically, one was an announcement that the new expansion, Retribution, will arrive on February 21st. And we got a little trailer for it, which is pretty neat. And just as a reminder, Retribution is introducing artifacts, which uh, are powerful items on, on planets that you can discover and give you instant access to new abilities. Some of them uh, are kind of cool. They'll have charges that will allow you to do certain things, so that's kind of neat. I'll talk about that more, I think, in the next one. Uh, it's also introducing Hypergates, which basically give you a space tunnel between planets that can speed up uh, travel. Uh, two new factions, the Drath and Korath. Drath are more um, diplomatic-based, while the Korath are more military-based. They're also adding in supply ships that you can send to planets to help speed up production on new planets to catch new colonies up to old colonies. Uh, totally new tech trees. Uh, they're going to add depth and provide more strategic choices and uh, a new campaign, or at least perhaps a, a continuation of the campaign that's already there. So that's what was announced this week. And then also we got another one of those sort of like uh, role-playing developer updates. So uh, essentially it's kind of like telling you about the new mechanics in narrative form. So in this one, Earth has uh, a buddy faction that's like the the slug faction, and the I think they're the Taiwam. And you know your buddy buddy, but then Earth gets a new space station that belonged to another faction, and that ticks off the Taiwam, and then it shows how the diplomacy's been updated through that little scuffle, that little dispute, I would say. Uh, then also it shows how uh, new artifacts can be used. And for instance, uh, the dimensional mirror, which is one of the artifacts, can be used to reveal fog of war, like anywhere on the map. And so in this narrative, they use it to find the Altaran homeworld. And uh, then it continues on with the, uh, the, the supply ships and hypergates and how they're being used. Uh, interesting point here, there's no limit to the number of gates you can have connected to a hypergate. So 
you know, the, the more you build, the more useful they become, which I wasn't sure about that until now. And now I know, which is really great. And uh, then let's see, what else does this thing get to? Uh, oh, yeah. Like I said, the hypergates and how they work and the Omega Project and all this stuff. So it goes on. It goes on. I've, I've, like, I've read it over a couple of times and like, I don't know. It, I, I personally, I think it's kind of hokey. I'd rather just have uh, the information in a straightforward way rather than in this narrative form about how the the Omegas go into war with the Alterans and all this stuff. So anyway, there you go. It'll be out in uh, about two weeks from this recording. A little bit less than two less. weeks from this recording. About yeah, a week less. and a half ish uh, well, from when you listen to it. A little bit over, no, a little bit over a week after you listen to it, eight days after you listen to it, it'll be out. So, I mean, my question is, is it ready? Will it be ready in time? Yeah, it seems because like a short window from when they first announced it to, like, on the market. Yeah, it's kind of makes me, um, makes me think of what happened with Stellaris and Megacorp, where we were thinking it would be coming out in May. And later on, no, no, probably March. And then it's like, nope, it's going to be out before Christmas. Got to get it on the Christmas rush. And that feel, it almost feels a little bit here like they know something is coming in March or April and they want to stay clear of those windows completely, you know, so because they want the, um, retribution to have its chance to sell and to shine. But the catch, there's a catch 22 there. If that's the case, and like, let's say it's feature complete, well, let's hope that it's not bug-ridden, you know? Let's hope that it works and it doesn't cause problems and then results in weeks and weeks of fixes afterwards and dealing with that because as it stands right now, I'm about to talk about Stellaris, but as it stands right now, Stellaris is still having issues with Megacorp post-launch. It's been almost two months now. And if you look at the ratings and they're still getting review bombed and like, what are they being review bombed for? Oh, because they don't want to sell it here or there. No, because of the state the Megacorp was in when they had promised time and again that they wouldn't release an expansion or DLC in that kind of state. And here we are. So anyways, let's move on to talk about Stellars. So they are not talking about any new content. They're still doing... Uh, patching and repairs and fixes and all kinds of optimization type work for uh, Leguin for the free content for Megacorp for the paid for the paid content. So this week they released a dev diary that talks about patch 2.2.4 as well as access to the beta for patch 2.2.5. So while they were going through. Uh, the final testing stages of 2.2.4 and they had the beta for that one, people were reporting, oh, we found this, we found this, we found that. So instead of rolling it all into 2.2.4 and, you know, pushing the release back, they're like, well, we'll make it the next patch 2.2.5 and we'll do it. We'll have a quick turnaround for that. So they, they're essentially what they're doing is they're doing some balance changes as a result of all these new mechanics that were introduced they're having to go back and adjust things they're fixing ui issues they're fixing ai issues they're tackling performance modding lots of bug fixes lots of bug fixes a lot of bug fixes and then they that's for 2.2.4 and then for 2.2.5 which is again they're giving people access to the beta for that patch they're showing off that there's going to be uh there, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six different Empire emblems are being given out, which is cool. You know, you play any game long enough and you see the same stuff and you're like, you want something different. So they're, they're putting up a few more. Well, six to be exact. And then they're talking about the changes in 2.2.5. Again, as a result of what they learned from the feedback for 2.2.4. And that too is going to have a, a lot of balance changes, more UI more AI performance modding and even more bug fixes. I'm not gonna go. You don't want me to. I promise you, listener, you do not want me to go. So instead, there will be a link in the notes. You can click on it yourself if you haven't already seen it. And you will do it yourself. And you probably play this game a lot more than I have. So you'll understand this much better than me. If I were to do it, I'd butcher it and you'd be like, ah, oh, Nate, don't talk about things you don't know about. So I won't. So there you go. All right. Well, while we're on the topic of Paradox, let's cover Imperator Rome. 
And kind of like with Galsiv 3, where we got a launch date, we now have one for Imperator Rome, and it'll be April 25th. Now, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed they didn't do it on the 15th of March to co coincide with the Ides of March, but alas, here we are. April 25th is when the game will come out. And if, for those who don't remember, this is the grand strategy game from Paradox set in Rome. It's going to have a challenging but familiar classical setting, unique government mechanics, uh, the most detailed Paradox map yet, according to the uh, announcement <laughs> that's, here for the that's launch. That's saying a lot. That's yeah, a for lot. sure. Their maps are crazy. Uh, a population management system that covers citizens, free men, slaves, tribal populations, a flexible trade system, cultural and military traditions, battle tactics. You'll get to manage a court of hundreds of characters in a lot more, and in 6 to 12 months, it's very possible that none of that will still be in the game. You'll have to wait for the DLC to find out. But anyway... <laughs> April 25th is the day that Imperator Rome will hit the market. And, uh, man, I, f I feel like I don't know as much about this one, Nate, as I have with some of the other Paradox titles. Well, it's kind of crept up on us. Well, w yes and no. I didn't cover it as much because, like, looking at it, there's so many games that came out in such a short period of time covering different aspects of this time period. That That's true. It, was, it yeah. was like we had one episode where we, what did we call it? Rome, Rome, Rome. And there were like five news items about five different games, five different games centered around Rome. And I think, it yeah, was yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Like at the gates, at uh, the gates aggressors, aggressors Rome. There was also uh, Fields of Glory, which is also right. about that time. There was a bunch of games. And I was like, here's the thing this might be. Um, the paradox spin on Rome. I mean, they've had Rome games in the past, so it's not like this. This is like almost like a reboot, like Crusader Kings Two was, or Europa Universalis Four. So you have Rome. Now it'll be interesting to see if you can roll your game from Rome into Crusader Kings Two, then play it out in Crusader Kings Two, because I know you can from Crusader Kings Two into Europa Universalis Four. So roll into Europa Universalis Four, play that out. Of course, we're always talking about you know the running joke around the internet is when is victoria 3 coming so then victoria 3 arrives they don't have anything modern between that and say something like stellars but if they did you could have like like what sif tries to do only mix in all these other games into this like one long campaign that starts from the dawn of time through sometime in the far future and it, a single game even if you're playing two, three hours a night, it would take you like a year to complete. I don't know. That if would that be was... epic, though. I mean, you have Hearts of Iron in there, so you you have. That's Victoria. true. Yeah, Hearts of Iron. It's sort of like Hearts of Iron, but then you still need something between Hearts of Iron. So what? City Skylines, and then from there you have Surviving Mars, and then you have Stellaris. My God! I think <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> a chain from start to finish, and like we can throw in like something like um, what can we throw in in the beginning, even before Rome. Warlock 2 or something like that or Magicka is like that the time of magic before science won out oh my god who needs more games we have all the games we will ever play you know it's crazy yeah and speaking sure. of not needing more games but wanting this game really bad let's move on and talk about phoenix point so this past week we had an an announcement from julian gollop who is the creative director at phoenix point the CEO of the studio Snapshot Games, also known as the the grandfather of the tactical combat genre that basically spawned XCOM, because his previous game to XCOM was Laser Squad. So anyways, he uh, came on, made a little video, and he's explaining that the game, instead of being uh, released sometime in June, is actually going to get pushed to September. And he's apologizing, but he's like, look, you know, I know what it takes to release a good game. And I know what you need to make sure that at release, the game is fantastic. And to try and hit that goal of June would be hard. And he's like, instead of releasing something that's going to disappoint people, I'd rather push her back a little bit and disappoint them that way. And then s release a game that when they get their hands on it, they're going to be blown away. And nobody's going to remember that it came out three months later than they had anticipated. Because there's going to be so many other things to keep us busy anyways. Um, I backed the game. I gladly packed the game. There's, I didn't think twice about it. 
and I have no issue whatsoever. The th Here's the thing. We've gotten already three backer builds, which gave us a taste of, it basically gave us scenarios. And with each one, it's a more in-depth. You see how the game is growing, how the game is changing, and the combat in the game and all the things that they're doing are just awesome. I can't, I'm wondering if we're going to get the fourth backer build basically in June to see what's what's out to that point. They They keep adding things to the game and it is awesome. And you know, it's it's good. It's I, I I'm tired of getting games at release that need six months to a year of support in order for them to be good. Now I'm okay, you know, you get, there's so many systems out there, there's no way to release a game that's perfect unless we're all playing like on a Xbox or a PlayStation or a Switch. All our systems are different. Even those ones are different, but not to the degree that computers are different. So there's always going to be bugs. And there's always day zero patches. Some some of them are as big as the game themselves. So if a publisher is like, a developer is like, hey, guys, the game is going to be awesome. Trust us. We swear it's going to be amazing. Here's some stuff for you to play with in the meantime. But we need a little bit more time. Not... Hey, guys, we need more money. The game is not coming out. We need to do another Kickstarter or we need to do another Indiegogo or whatever. We need more money. We can't finish the game. That's not what they're doing. They're like, we just want to make sure it's amazing at release. And for me, as somebody who backed it and as a gamer, I'm like, great. Because that means I might actually get to play some of the other games that I've bought that I haven't had a chance to touch yet, that I'm just sitting there. I mean, my library is tiny. I have like 130 games in there. But I know people that have like a thousand or two thousand or three thousand, and I'm like, I still haven't played half the games I have, you know. So this kind of is going to give me a chance to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think I've played fifty percent of the games I've own. I own. Well, yeah, I don't think so. No. So, I, and I don't mind the fact that I bought the games that I bought. Had I close not though, them, close. I wouldn't have bought them. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's some that were like given to me. Right. Uh. Just as gifts, right. and I really appreciate that, but I just haven't had a chance to play them yet. Right, right. Well, it's all good, man. It's there. It's not going anywhere. Okay, well, let's talk about this week's candidate for the What Is section, and this is a game called Warhammer Chaos Bane. Now, you're like, Warhammer? Don't they have, like, half a dozen games out there? No, they have probably two dozen different games out there from different publishers, uh, because uh, Games Workshop opened up the licenses and it pretty much said, okay, you want to make a game here? Go for it. You want to make a game here? Go for it. And it's been very interesting to see because some of the games that were made were really good and some of them were not bad and some of them were like, eh, and some of them were like, mm. <laughs> you know, and some of them shouldn't have been made. So we'll see where this one lands. But in essence, Chaos Bane is basically like a Diablo game set in a Warhammer universe, which makes perfect sense because that's essentially what the tabletop kind of is if you're not playing a full-size army you're playing a small squad like in warhammer 40k you're playing usually a very small like your army is very small units very expensive and that's kind of what this is it's kind of like gauntlet and diablo mixed in with warhammer and you have a lot of the famous classes like i was looking at the video and you have in there uh looks like you have a troll slayer that's it's a dwarf it's a specialized dwarf unit you have uh, a knight you have uh, one of the mages from the empire from one of the schools of magic so it's cool it's very cool um if you're into that type of gameplay and you just want to have more click on the link check out what's out there see what it, see if this is something that you're interested in and if you're not here's some here's another takeaway now, maybe you don't care about the Warhammer world. Maybe you're like, I don't care about Warhammer. You know, there's other stuff out there that I'm more interested in. Maybe you're one of the people that's really interested in Star Wars. But do you notice that there's nobody except Electronic Arts and their studios making Star Wars games? And do you know why that is? Well, they have an exclusive license. Exactly. And Disney's okay with that. And this exclusive license... It's because Disney's done a great job handling their Star Wars franchise. The, yeah, the movies, but not the games. And Electronic Arts is just... No, that was games. pure sarcasm. They've uh, done a miserable job with their Star okay. Wars franchise. From uh, merchandise to video games to movies, It's it's been pretty awful. Well, here it goes. So here, so Games Workshop used to be just like that 10 years ago, 15 years ago, just like that. And they let go and look at what's coming out. Maybe Disney will learn a little... Uh, what am I saying? 
Never mind. I'm just being crazy here. Disney will never learn. So, okay, let's move on. So, two things of interest this week. Which one should I start with? Epic or Steam? What do you say? Let's do Epic, since I think it's the one people know the least about. Okay, so Epic, these are the guys that are uh, making Fortnite, and they recently, in competition with Steam, created their own store. They're poaching some games from Steam. I think the latest controversy is, uh, what is it? It's not Exodus, It's uh, and it's not Methodist either. Oh my god, just completely jumped out of my mind. But anyways, this is the third version, Metro, Metro, um, not Metroid. Metro 2035 or something like that, I think. Anyways, this is like a first-person shooter set in a post-apocalypse, post-Chernobyl, Eastern European world that's really highly regarded. It's really good. Everybody loves the franchise. It's a really good game. It was supposed to be out on Steam. Now it's on Epic. There's all kinds of drama there because Epic is, is basically taking Steam to task, and they're putting up a competition. And our poll this month is linked to that. Because in a conversation I had with somebody, they said to me, I don't know why you care that there's Epic. I mean, there's good old games. I apologize. GOG, there's Humble Bundle, there's Steam. What's one more store? I'm like, well, sure. There's also Origin. There's Battle.net. There's the Uplay. But the point is, is that I'm not a Steam fanboy. It's just Steam is convenient for me. I I have it set up. I have what I need out of Steam. And I don't want to jump to a different... If if Steam was awful and I hated Steam, I would go to GOG. But I wouldn't go to Humble and this place and that place. They're like, oh, come on. You know you have a Battle.net account. I'm like, I don't. Don't you have a Uplay account? I don't. Wouldn't you get this for that game? No, I, I don't. I don't have time to play so many games, to have so many accounts, remember so many passwords. And for somebody that doesn't understand this, to them it sounds absolutely ludicrous, but... It isn't, you know, I'm not alone. And it, maybe it's an age thing. Maybe it's, you know, when you hit a certain point and you only have so much time in the day that you have to, you know, your, your whole game playing has to be concise. It's, you can't spend four hours preparing to play. You have two minutes, load it up, play. If you miss your two minute mark, somebody finds something else for you to do. And there goes your gaming for them, you know. So it'll be interesting if, if I'm alone. I know I'm not alone. Right? It'd be, I'm I'd be curious to read the comments of people that agree or disagree with that. So anyways, why am I talking about Epic? So the thing with Epic that's interesting is that their um, refund policies are not good. The biggest thing I have with them is apparently in order to play the Epic games, you have to be online the whole time. So that means... Even if you buy a game from Epic and to undersell, under, undercut Steam, they're selling them for less. They're giving a bigger cut to the publishers and developers. They're charging customers less, which is great. Hey, you know, as a customer, you want the best deal. You don't care about all the other stuff. But if you always have to be online and if you live in a place that has poor internet connectivity or maybe you have a plan where you are charged by the bandwidth that you take or how much you download or whatever. Can you imagine trying to play all your games if you can't be online? See, at least with Steam, you can play them all offline, you know? so Same with good old games. Same with good old games. I'm pretty sure, uh, I don't know. Is it like that with Battle.net? I don't know. I don't have a Battle.net. Mm, no, no, Battle.net, you have to be online. So what about Origin? I don't know that's about the, Origin. Right. And yeah. I think you, play. you don't play is uh also online all the time i could be wrong about that yeah but i think it is i think that's the big knock against it is you have to be online so epic is also in that so yeah i don't i don't like that me either i'll take a pass for now okay and now finally let's talk about the steam thing so at the time of recording and probably it'll be right up until the show comes up Uh, Steam is having their Lunar New Year sale. So for our Chinese listeners or people native to China or from Chinese descent, Happy New Year to you all. And Steam wants to sell you games during this celebratory time. We just had like three sales back to back to back. So I don't know if every month Steam is going to come up with some new. What are they going to do for March, do you think? Spring break sale? Um, is Easter in March no, this year? I think I think Easter is in April this year. Okay. So then we're gonna have that. So every March, month now, March, there's March, gonna be March. A... is St. Patrick's Day in March. Yeah, March seventeenth, St. <laughs> Patrick's Day, right? Oh man, I can't believe you actually know that. That's amazing. Which part? 
when St. Patrick's Day is. Isn't that when it always is? March 17th? Man, I don't know. <laughs> I live I live up in New England. I'm not I'm in Boston all the time, you know. Oh, well, in that case, yeah. Everybody's <laughs> yeah. Uh, off work that day. Yeah, they they check your ID if you're entering Boston and you don't know these crucial things, they tell you to turn around and leave. You're not walking in their city. <laughs> all so, right. but yeah. Uh, so. I don't know. I don't know. Spring sale would make sense. Right. They had the autumn sale. They had what was it? They had the Halloween sale, the autumn sale, the winter sale. Now they have the lunar New Year sale. I'm sure they'll they'll find something. Maybe they'll have the Passover sale. You know, don't pass over the sale. sale. Yeah, there you go. That's a good one. <laughs> Anyways, uh, what have you played anything this week? No, man, I've been so busy, and uh, this weekend is gonna be super busy too. I'm uh, helping to coach at an elementary robot competition. Ooh, those are cool. So yeah, and I like I'll be busy all weekend with that. So nice. it's pretty much no gaming here. How about you? Uh, just I I I've been gaming a little bit, but I'm doing it offline because I'm playing Thea two. So every time I go online, my game updates with a new patch that they have. So that invalidates a save. So I have to stay offline to play. Otherwise, you know, I'll, I, I don't get to game for five hours or 10 hours. So I get 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there. So, you know, it sucks when you go online. Boom. Every time you got to start over. Right. So I just have to stay offline. So there's that. Uh, I'm getting... I, I don't have a large block of time where I can jump in and just put down three or four hours and finish up with aggressors so I can get back to writing the review. I just I have five minutes here, ten minutes there, and it's hard. These these types of games, you need that block of time because I don't remember. Like, I come back two weeks later, and I'm like, what was I doing again? Why was I here? What, you know? So that, let me see, anything else? Some other game, but I can't really talk about it. So, you know, back to that whole thing. <laughs> But, um, yeah, that's it. Not too much gaming. All right. Well, is there anything you'd like to say before we close this episode up? Yes. Uh, I'm still planning to uh, put the finishing touches on the Discord channel and to open it up to our patrons and to our greater community. But this uh, week, if you're not in the U.S., you don't know, but right now in the U.S., our government shutdown, at least temporarily, has ended. So everybody's rushing to try and get their taxes done. That's the other big thing. Got and mine done. I, I'm still waiting, like, on W-2 forms and things like that. Really? So, oh, that's yeah. bad. Well, well, yeah, that makes sense. We don't need to go into why, but yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, not, going, I'm not going into why, but I'm waiting for those forms. And until I get those forms, I can't file taxes. So it's like it's the equivalent of trying to pay for food, but you left your wallet at home or trying to <laughs> yep. buy food. But the store is empty. But here's your wallet. There's nothing in the store, just pictures. And you're supposed to collect pictures and walk up the front and be like, I want this, this and this. And they're like, yeah, yeah. First pay, then we'll send it to you a month from now. So I, I'm trying to get ready for taxes. And, you know, it's there's all that and help family and friends with their stuff. So, yeah. For those who don't have the struggle, lucky you. And for those that do, I'm sure you feel my pain. And uh, what else? Thank you to our patrons. You're all awesome. Very soon we will have that Discord channel up. And that should be fun. Maybe. I don't know. I have no idea what we're going to do. We'll have it. We'll be like everybody else. And um, what else? We're going to have some YouTube stuff coming again. Dallin is back in the mix. He's doing some streams with Ben. I think this past week they streamed... um, Battlefleet Gothic Armada, I think it was. So we'll have videos for that. And he got a couple of keys he asked me for, so there should be some other videos coming. And what else? Uh, Yes, by the time you hear this, hopefully we will have the Audible extension for Dominions 5 up. So give it a look. Let us know what you think. Check it out. And uh, let us us know. We're very curious. I know it's kind of late, but it's so hard to match up our schedules. And that's just kind of the story of Exporminator. I know it's kind of late, but it'll be good when it gets there. I think that's it. All right. Well, we'd like to thank everyone for joining us this week. We really enjoyed having you. This has been Troy and Nate for Exporminate. Take care, everyone. See ya.
Thank you.